Welcome to the very first episode of Let's Talk About It, a podcast hosted by myself, Jillian Cole. Today, I sat down with Stephanie Winters. She is a yoga instructor on the East Coast of Canada, and she was my yoga instructor for a number of years. I am so honored that she decided to sit down with me and discuss what we talked about because you guys are going to learn so much insightful information from her. I have learned so much from her over the years, not just in advancing my yoga practice, but also in terms of personal development and just gaining a better understanding of life and living and developing habits and all that type of stuff. So without further ado, I will not ramble on too, too much. Let's get into this very first episode. I am here with my friend, Stephanie Winters, and I met you a number of years ago. I can't remember what year it was. I think it was like 2016 or 2017. Um, yeah, at the, you were working <laughs> at the, something like, I can't even remember. It was so long ago, but I was living in Halifax at the time and you were working at, uh, what's that yoga studio called? Shanti. Yes. Shanti. You're working at the Shanti yoga studio. That's yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I'm sure that's where like most people who are going to be listening to this know you from, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that you instructed them at some point in time. Um, yeah. So that was my journey of first meeting you. And I I'll never forget the day that I first went into it. Cause I had actually purchased one of those unlimited 30 day passes that they had. And at the time I had like no money. Like I was actually having to like call my dad to ask him to help me out with rent in the month because I just wasn't making enough money on my own yet. And uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, this is a big investment. I'm going to invest in like going to going to this yoga studio because it would be good for me to like, you know, get out and do something other than just work all the time. So you had a really strong practice when you started coming though, right? Yeah, I did. I did. And which is good, but also like, I think that's what I was really worried about because I didn't know like what the levels or the classification of beginner, intermediate and advanced would be. So I was, I had no idea like where to start by the very first yoga class that I ever went to in Halifax, you were the yoga teacher for And yeah, so then like over those 30 days, I went to most of the yoga instructors and like, depending on what time it was, it fit in my schedule. But after the 30 days, it was like, I have to keep going to yoga because of Steph. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was like your yoga instruction to me was something that it just resonated with me so deeply like it was the it was the ultimate integration of like the mind body connection where i was getting a workout and i was experiencing like the maximums or the limits that i could you know do with my physical body but then also was learning so much about like my emotions and how like you know the involvement of like the mind body connection during during a practice so um yeah, i remember having a few like good little talks with you after the end of classes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was super strong. I remember, I remember being really impressed by that when you first started coming. Cause I mean, well, and there are a lot of, you know, in a studio like that, there are a lot of beginners, a lot of people, you know, coming in first time. So it's kind of cool when, you know, someone can press into a handstand, no big deal. <laughs> it's fun to watch. I can't do it. <laughs> well, I've been watching you lately on Instagram. It's, it's amazing to see, even for you as someone who does have an advanced practice as well, that like seeing the progression of you just by the strength that you've been doing, which I want to talk to you about a little bit too, because I'm super interested in your, 
your journey that you've been doing a little bit more of like the, the lifting atmosphere aspect of fitness. But uh, yeah, it's been, it's been cool just to see you and your progression, even in your business since COVID started. It's also super exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Very weird. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so we knew each other from whatever, 17, 16 till now, but you moved just before, you moved just before COVID happened, didn't you? Moved away. It was during. Was it during? Okay. Um, But I was still doing your, um, I did your online yoga class um, for a little bit. Yeah. Which actually I need to get back into it again. Cause that was always my cue whenever I'm not consistent with things is to go back to Steph. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Kick in the pants. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I taught, you know, in studio and at Shanti for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then when the pandemic hit such a weird time, I remember, I remember being in studio uh, on Saturday because I would have been teaching a, a yinyasa class and I remember the trades spraying the bolsters and, and everyone was talking about COVID it was like the Saturday before the Monday when everything shut down and I was watching the the, the trade is you know the people who who help um organize the room and the props and clean up and tidy up for a membership right mm-hmm. so I remember watching just like kind of being dazed and watching the spray that she was spraying on the bolsters land in these little droplets all over the bolster but not like covering the bolster do you know what I mean it felt like it was in a movie it felt like one of those like end of the world movies and I was watching the spray and I was like that's not going to kill anything <laughs> like this we can't possibly keep doing this like oh this, is, this is not gonna work <laughs> we have to close oh my gosh. I, remember, I remember calling the manager at the time and just being like what are we what are we doing like what are we gonna do this like are we prepared for this and uh and then the, the following Monday it was just like nope we're not we're not prepared for this everything's shutting down so yeah I remember still being really naive about it and putting out a post on, on social media and being like, Hey, everyone, does anyone want to come over to my house and do small classes in my basement? Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> what was going on? And someone was like, uh, how about you start an online platform? And I'm not very technically inclined and I shouldn't say that I shouldn't, you know, I actually shouldn't speak those words. Cause that's, you know, I think you and I both believe that whatever you speak into being or think is manifested. So that's become years, things. Right? <laughs> yeah. years, years and years and years, I always said, number one, that I wasn't very tech inclined. And number two, that I wasn't very business inclined. And I spoke it over and over and over again. And that was just my story about it. So I said that I would never own a studio. And I said that because I used to get asked all the time, I I am a popular teacher in Halifax and people used to ask me all the time, when are you going to open your own studio? Are you ever going to open it? Are you interested? And my answer was always, I'm not business inclined. I'm not interested in it at all. I would be no good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I cut it off before, you know, it even got the opportunity to plant even as a seed in my mind. So it just never was even an option for me. Um, so then someone responded, why don't you start this online? And I was like, Oh, I will look into it. <laughs> I have no idea how I'm going to do that, but I'll look into it. And and I started a second Instagram page and Instagram was really easy for it, to be honest. Like I, I started with lives. Mm-hmm. I started doing lives. So like you do lives, right? 
Yeah. And Instagram changes like every week, but back then when you did a live, it would stay up for 24 hours and then it would disappear. So in the beginning I started to do that. And, and then someone else messaged me that was on, Oh, the first day, like I announced, I'm going to do this. And I had like 90 people the first day. Yeah. I can be like, I want in. So I'm like, okay, this might work. (laughs) I'll do it for a month because at that time it was like two weeks to flatten the curve. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'll do this for like a month. We'll see, you know, then we'll be back in studio and all will be well. Um, so I started doing that and then someone messaged me and they were like, um, Steph, are you just deleting these videos? Like every time you do a class? Cause like, this is like good content. Like you should be doing something with this. And I was like, oh yeah, maybe I should. But my phone is like four years old. I literally just got one, a new one yesterday. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I, have no, I have no capacity on my phone to carry this and to save it or anything. So um, I ended up going and getting like a tiny little camcorder for like $200. This is the same one I still use mm-hmm. <laughs> and it works perfect. And it does everything I need it to do. And then I started saving the videos and started to create an actual library on Instagram, which you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was, when was that? March of 2020. Yeah. So this coming March, which is how many months away, November, December, January, February, March. I mean, I guess it's been a year and a over a year and a half that it's been going steady and I've switched to an actual platform. Which is not Namaste. Is that what it's called? It was originally called Namastream. They've switched the name of it to Marvelous because they themselves are trying to, I think, rebrand so that it's not just yoga teachers that use the platform. Kind of like, um, kind of like what, what is the platform for the people that, that do, um, nude stuff? What is that called? Oh, (laughs) OnlyFans? Yeah. So you know how OnlyFans was trying to change. They were trying to do the same thing though, actually. They were trying to switch so that more people would use their platform as like a pay for kind of like uh what's the other one? Peyton? Oh yeah, like the fitness thing. Patreon. Patreon. Not are you talking about that one? I don't know very much about that one at all. I've just I've I've just heard of it. An artist like membership one time. Like there was an artist that so you could see her process every month. She would uh, put up new things and you would get the inside scoop kind of thing. Right. So I think all of them are sort of trying to expand like that. So um yeah. So Namastream changed from Namastream, which is very yogic name to Marvel. Try to get more, you know, like artsy and arts, arts and crafts people on there to do their sessions and, you know, rather than just fitness sessions. So yeah, it's expanding as well. But yeah, that's where I am now. Interesting. Yeah, that's, it's such a cool concept too. Like so many cool things came out of COVID, like the, the, it's like the Phoenix rising out of the ashes kind of idea, right? Where it's either like you became creative and thought of new ways to continue on or, you know, kind of burned in the fire <laughs> in, in essence. Yeah. So it's amazing. It's only those platforms just started yeah, popping the up. Brick and mortar yoga studios still have a virtual component now, even though they're back in, session you know yeah Uh, people still like it there are people like on my online platform who aren't they're not scared to go back in studio that's not the concern for them it just actually makes more sense in their life they don't have to drive now half an hour or 20 minutes to a studio and back so it's like 
now an extra 40 minutes or an hour of their time. It's like all these people who don't have to commute right now, right? Who are like, I saw this article the other day by the Toronto Star and they were saying how people were really missing being at the office and like every comment, every single one underneath was like, I don't know who you're talking to, but no one's missing this. No <laughs> one's missing the commute. Like people quite literally have more time in their day because of these virtual options. And no, we don't want everything to be virtual all the time. We need connection and human you know, contact, but mm. some people are just like, no, this really works. I have other stuff where I see people and my yoga practice is just about me and I can get more into it and more in depth and more connected with me when it is just me. So it works for some people. It doesn't work for some people. Some people tried it and they're like, I didn't do a class. You yeah. Know, like, for a subscription, I didn't do a class. And I get that too. Yeah. It's like, you need that self-accountability, which it really depends. Like for me, it definitely, it depends on like the day, <laughs> like some days I'm great. And I'll be like, yeah, okay. I like self-motivated enough to be doing all this stuff and even to do my own like yoga by myself and not be guided at all. And then other days I'm like, no, I need like complete guidance on this. Otherwise it's just not going to happen. Yeah. But yeah. Seasons, right? <laughs> 100%. Have you noticed that people are starting to go back to in-person classes compared to doing the online? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people have messaged me and been like, Hey Steph, like I'm going back to a studio. So like, you know, thank you for all the help and thank you for the guidance during the pandemic. You, you know, you've provided this beautiful thing for me, but it's not necessary anymore. So yeah, hundred percent they have. And I do teach in studio. I do teach one class a week at on the mat in Halifax. So okay. uh, I do see some of them like, Cause, cause I kind of just slipped into that studio, um, just before the pandemic. So I don't know a ton of students there yet. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm building a class, so I have like a pretty regular following on Saturday morning, but like not a lot of my other people that already knew me go to that studio, but some of them are starting to trickle in. Yeah. So definitely mm -hmm. people are, are going back now. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. So in your opinion, because you have been doing this for such a long time, what do you see to be the biggest transformation, be that like physical, mental, emotional, anything like that in the people who are consistent in coming or attending your classes? Hmm. Well, I mean, there's, there's definitely always the strengthening component, right? And, and maybe some flexibility as well. Um, as you know, my classes are probably more biased towards strength than flexibility, just because I, I believe that that's for most people, we need more mobility and more strength not a ton of people need a ton more flexibility to get about their life in in a in a good way some people might have some issues and you know some spaces in their body but very often times it's often a weakness that leads to the immobility or the, the issue with flexibility in my opinion and what i've researched but so i do bias towards strength. So that definitely when people start doing it consistently with me, they're definitely going to get stronger, mm -hmm. um, going to feel stronger in their body. They're going to feel more stable. And if they had any sort of issues that were, that were caused by a weakness, those tend to resolve, which is really cool. Uh, but then, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people message me and talk about the way that it shifts their perspective, shifts the way that they are in their day, the, their way of being in general, like starting to understand that they're more capable than they thought they were, right? When you start to do something that is uncomfortable consistently, 
right? Which is yoga is uncomfortable. Like as many yeah. you know, yoga teachers are going to tell you like, oh, down dog is your home base. I say it. <laughs> it's, you know, this is, a, you know, our resting pose. I never say that. Um, but as many times as people might say, oh yeah, yoga, you know, it feels so good. There are very uncomfortable moments for all of us in yoga. That's the whole point. You're pushing yourself to your edge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, up against those trying moments in your physical body and and in your mindset so people start to build resiliency they start to recognize okay when I first started that was really hard and I stayed and I tried and I did a little more each time and I got better a so that works right just committing to something. Um, and I'm not as nervous around the sensation anymore. I know I can stay here. I know I'm okay to be in a challenging, uncomfortable situation, which then we start to recognize in our life, which is, you know, what, how yoga has most benefited me, mm-hmm. you know, immeasurably is me being able to be in challenging situations. So I've been in lots of them over the last 10 years and recognizing my strengths, recognizing that I have more than I thought I did. We all do. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of a bit of a reason too, why you decided to stem a little bit more into the lifting atmosphere? I lived it before yoga. Yes. So, I mean, my parents were bodybuilders growing up. Yeah. So, so we cool. had like a home gym, like they did like for, for a brief time, they did like competitions. So, um, they always worked out. They had a regimen of working out. Like my dad worked out every single morning, like, well, six days a week, uh, growing up, he would get up at 6am and go out and do his workout. My mom would do it, you know, after work or whatever. So I've always seen that. And I've always had sort of that kind of like understanding that you need to move your physical body consistently. Like that's important. Um, and I started as a personal trainer after I had my son. And then I was asked by my boss to teach a yoga class, like with no training. <laughs> I was just like, hey, can you teach yoga? And I'm like, sure, I can. <laughs> I, I read um, I read Baron Baptiste's uh, first book, like Journey into Power. And uh, I literally started studied the book like word for word and his words would just pour out of my mouth they weren't my words I didn't really even know what I was saying back then (laughs) but but I did teach and then I uh shortly after teaching these poor men in squash courts most of them were squash players at 6 a.m at the tower a smooth gym (laughs) before I even had any training whatsoever (laughs) no idea what I was doing no one really knew I didn't know they didn't know so it was all good (laughs) out their hips I'm sure to some capacity but yeah shortly after that I went to um to do my yoga teacher training in Hawaii with Baron. Right. Um, I continued to do both for a long time, both personal training and yoga. So then I was doing both in my own world as well, like yoga and training. Um, and then it slowly started to bias to more yoga. Um, mostly just because at the time I was a single mom and the yoga was more reliable financially. Like people, people cancel on you for personal training. So that was why I kind of started to go that route. And then I just started to realize I really loved it too. Um, I'm good in front of a group. I, you know, my, my personal training absolutely uh, influences the way I teach. And I think that people respond to that really well because I'm, 
pretty good at getting you in your body. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty good at making you feel strong and stable in a pose because I know how to cue the, the stability so well. So I think it makes people feel a lot more at ease in the poses, even though they are challenging. They know how to hold them. They know how to find their strength, even though it is still hard. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I think that really helped. Uh, and then and then it's all since then, it's just been this this weird kind of balancing act for me trying to figure out how much yoga and how much lifting and then how much running because I started doing that and then how much dog walking <laughs> like because my life is very physical so it's been that's been honestly the biggest challenge for me during the pandemic and so I also had this this hip issue because um well we don't really know why we don't really know where the hip issue came from. Me and my physio, we've tried to figure it out. I've been told different things. Like I had a, a child and I was told that it was due to the labor and delivery. It's literally been a, a more than, you know, a, he's, he's going to be 14. It's been like a 14 year uh, journey with me with this hip issue. Wow. Yeah. I probably talked to you about it before. Yes. Um, and there's certain things in yoga that would make it worse. And then uh, certain things in lifting that definitely felt like it would also make it worse. So I actually took almost a year off of lifting uh, a few months ago, like for a year. Oh, yeah. Wow. So I okay. wasn't lifting a lot at all. And I actually started running oddly. I was just like, I just wanted to move more and I couldn't lift because it would hurt my back. It was like, just, I have like a, we don't even know what it is, but it feel, feels like a twist. It's not a twist, but it feels like a twist. So anytime I would go to lift something heavy, my body was like kind of countering that twist. Like one side was stronger, one side was tighter and all wound up. So right. it, just, it would just perpetuate it. So I'd have a lot of pain in my SI joint uh, and in my right hip. And I don't know where I got the idea to run. I don't even remember. <laughs> but I just started running and it started to make my hip better. It's so weird. We that is interesting. Usually it would make hips worse, but I think yeah. it was because I was paying so, I was so nervous about it. I was paying so much attention. I was just like being so like mindful and trying to use the right muscles. And, and it just started to make my glutes stronger. And it started to bring me back into, like, I have a very anteriorly rotated pelvis, like duck butt, like stuck out. Right. And I would do everything like that. And then I was always, you know, you know, my classes, I talk about it constantly. Yeah. Trying to get other people out of that position because it can, it can be painful when you practice yoga or lift with an anteriorly rot rotated pelvis. So, um, I, I just started being way more mindful while I was running. And then I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to try lifting again. I'm feeling really good lately. So then I started sprinkling that back in and still doing yoga. I do you have to understand. I do an hour class of yoga six days a week because I have to film. Well, I mean, chose to film for my online, right? So that's yes. six hours of yoga a week. Plus I do two other half hours for another doctor for her patients on Zoom. So that's wow. seven hours of yoga a week. Plus if I want to do any of my own practice, not filmed, right? <laughs> Plus walking the dogs. I have two big dogs plus then lifting plus then running. So yeah, that's the biggest challenge for me. That's incredible. <laughs> and I find it, it's actually so inspiring because to me, um, I am not as inclined to be physically active. Like it actually does take some really like pushing on my end to force myself to be a little bit more physically active. And I love that you're just, you're naturally inclined to have a desire to want to move all the time. I think that oh, that's a rarity. Yeah, that's the problem. 
What's that? <laughs> it's all I want to do. <laughs> it, it, it can become problematic. It's like, you know, anytime it's the weekend and we have time, it's like, what do I want to do? I want to, I want to do like, I want to rock climb or I want to box or I want to go hiking or I want to go running or I want to lift. And it's like, you only have so many out. Yeah. Energetic, right? Yeah. We yeah. could probably infuse a little bit of each other. No, no, I need another. a little bit more of like your work ethic to sit down at a computer and just like do work. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a hamster wheel, really. Like I think it's great because it, you don't you don't hear many people actually be that motivated. I think I think fitness and just from my experience of also like having clients when I was an naturopathic doctor, but then just in general, that not a lot of us want to exercise regularly. Like it needs to, there needs to be a big push and a big, like why behind that motivation. So to find someone that's like that naturally inclined to have a desire to want to move is really rare. Have you read anything by James Clear? No. Habits. Oh yes. I, I haven't read that book before, but I've heard good things about it. So good. It's like the best book for like talking, discussing this kind of stuff and actually getting something out of it that you might be able to implement in your life. Like I just, I just love it. Um, but he talks about, and, and I, I have like, I've, so I've started doing a lot more one-on-one personal training actually again. So I came back to it. Like I, I hadn't done it for probably five years. And then I just sort of start, someone asked me out of the blue, like, Hey, can you just do a program up for me that I can do at home? Because I, I just want to have some basic things. So I started seeing her and then I think I posted about it. So someone else asked me and then someone else. So now I've got like, you know, I don't know, a handful, six or seven clients that I see semi-regularly. So, um, and they're mostly previous yoga or current yoga students as well. So what I try to talk to them about, because this comes up a lot, like, you know, I want to obviously move more. I want to get, I want to get more into this. I want to have more motivation. It's, It's not like motivation doesn't last. We know that it wanes, right? It does this. That's why some days you're good at teaching yourself a yoga flow and then some days you're not. So it has to be more than that. It has to be deeper than that. So what I really like about what he says is that you need to make it a part of your identity. So it's an interesting thing when we talk about yoga and identity and ego and stuff, people often think that's a really negative thing, right? We, we talk about ego as a negative thing. We talk about identity as a negative thing. I don't believe it's a negative thing. I believe that we are here in human bodies, having a human experience, and we're meant to try on different identities and play with that. Like, you know, one day you might be Jillian, the, you know, entrepreneur with your entrepreneurial hat on. And then the next day you might be Jillian, the beer lover, right? Like, and you know, like who knows, like you don't have to be the same Jillian every day and you don't have to show up in the same way every day, but what like different aspects of your identity. And and maybe I think I, I mentioned this in one of your questions the other day on, um, on Insta, it was something about like, how do you let go of bad past experiences? And my, my rationale behind it is we need those past experiences that are somewhat negative sometimes in order to decide which direction we want to go in, right? Which person we want to date, which person we want to be friends with, which career we want to have. We need those to develop our preference, right? And then to manifest the lives in the direction that we want to go in. So we decide who we want to be, Oh no, that didn't really work. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy that. That, that didn't align with me. It didn't feel good. I tried it. It didn't work. 
right? So I know that. So what would be, you know, another direction for me to try? What other shoe could I put on? What other outfit can I try on? What other direction can I move in? And I, I really like that in the idea of the fitness world, you need to start to identify as someone who likes to move. Like, and, and in particular, people are really good at identifying as runners, right? I'm going to do a mm-hmm. marathon that often boosts people. And then they start posting online. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's great. And then they start to identify as this or start going to the gym and they start to like, maybe, I don't know, wear their little matching gym outfits. Like, great, do that. If that helps motivate you and makes you feel like you are moving in the right direction. People very often identify as yogis. We know that, right? We see that all around us. So again, nothing wrong with it. Pick it apart. Understand the why, right? Understand that that's what's motivating you. And then start to understand even go deeper than that again and go, okay, what is it in this practice that is making me really happy? And what is bringing me joy here? Right. So try to understand it again. The identity kind of starts, starts it all. And then we can go deeper. And then it's more about us you know, getting something beautiful out of this and, or being able to give something back in this world. Right. So I don't identify as a yogi. I don't know if you notice that, but like I teach a lot of yoga I do a lot of yoga, but I also do a lot of lifting, which is my people might see it as very opposing kind of energies. Right. When I lift, I'm like, doing deadlifts and I'm doing squats and I'm doing kettlebell swings and that can look kind of aggressive. Right. And I like being able to have my hand in that world a little bit and then go and do like a flow, a really sweet, beautiful, sensual flow or a yin practice where I'm completely passive and letting go. I want to be able to explore all of the aspects of who I can be and want to be. Right. I love that. So I was actually just thinking as you were saying this, that social media um, can be a gift and a curse, right? Especially from this perspective where, so a lot of like social media gurus will be like, pick a niche and only, only talk about that niche. That's, that's all you're going to, you're going to live, breathe, eat, sleep, that niche. You can't do anything else because then like in order to grow a following, people need to identify that like you're the yogi right? As an example. And um, I find that 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 belief system is so all or nothing. And it's become so infused in like, how we live our lives, like even opinions, like either you're this opinion, or you're that opinion, but you cannot be both. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, just like that element of social media that having to be all or nothing in in something when it's like being all or nothing and like being Steph. (laughs) should be a niche in of itself right or like me being all or nothing and being chill yeah Yeah, like I I share my experiences this is what I enjoy like today I'm gonna you know talk about yoga and tomorrow I'm gonna talk about I don't know like makeup have a word for this too (laughs) what's your word that you I remember you were saying this about like having more than one interest as an entrepreneur what's the word you use because I love it multi-passionate is that, that's yeah. So that's a Marie Forleo term. Um, she apparently coined the term a multi-passionate entrepreneur. And I think it's, we're all multi-passionate, right? So to say that you're not, is just such, such a disservice to you and like your personal growth as a human being in this lifetime and what you learn on your own personal journey, um, throughout your life, but then also what your capabilities are in order to share with others. 
Um, yeah, so social media to me, it was just is exactly what you said. It's so true because that's something about you that I find with your social media that um, I have deep respect for those who have not succumbed to the pressure that there is to be someone that you're not on social media. I find that pressures in the yoga world too, not even just mm. social media, but with the yoga world. Like, do you remember when all of those tank tops with all of the yoga slogans were just everywhere? <laughs> like just constantly, like every student in the classroom had like, namaste, I don't know, something, blah, blah, blah. Like I just... <laughs> I never bought into it. It felt so culty to me. Mm. Like, it's just like, you know what? I can go to the yoga studio. I can be part of a yoga community and I can still, I don't know, Saturday night, I went to fight night. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. went to a boxing match and that's fine. And you can experience all of it. And you don't have to feel as though, I don't know, if you're a yogi, you have to be vegan. You have to, you know, never eat animal products again. You have like be conscious, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like how can you help the environment by eating less meat or whatever, but don't feel like you absolutely have to succumb to all this pressure of this is how you identify in this world. This is it. This is the only way. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's frustrating. Oh yeah. I, I totally get that. Cause it, yeah, you start to assume an identity that isn't really you at the end of the day. And it's it, yeah, it's a weird know, like wake up moment, fit in, right? And I get that. I get that we have that need and that desire, but you can connect with people without fitting in, mm -hmm. right? You can connect and appreciate their experiences and have similar ones and be together while you're experiencing, but you don't have to be only that, right? It's the only that part that is yeah, so fractionalized, like compartmentalized. Like yeah. I, used to, I used to study history and there was always, so I went to school for like eight years and did my honors and my master's in history. And I remember there being a discussion then, like this was like in the mid nineties about how compartmentalized the history was getting. Like it was just so like pinpointed. And then like, I don't know, <laughs> for example, my, my um, honors uh, degree was, 19th century women's diary literature and the way that they showed agency in their wow. communities and their diary literature, but like, cool, interesting, definitely. And you, you can actually, so it's not the best example because you can actually look at that and go, okay, this is cool. We can understand how women played a role in their communities. Um, you know, trying to encourage certain behavior by taking part in the church, right? And, and the Sunday school and trying to raise the kids in a certain way and try to instill values there without actually being able to play a role in politics or whatever else, because they weren't allowed to at the time, they weren't allowed to vote. Um, so that actually isn't that compartmentalized, but stuff gets way more even fractionalized than that, right? As you go into other people's um, interests and work and studies. And it's like, let's, let's keep it a, a little bit more open, a little bit broader. How can this relate back to the wider world? Right. Mm -hmm. So that we're not, we're just not so shoved into these boxes. And then it feels like we're more separate than together in that kind of world. Right. It's kind of like the idea right now of like, if you're pro or anti-vax and you can't, you can't be friends, you can't talk. Like if you're on two sides of things, it's so divisive, all of that, you know, I can identify as a yogi, a runner, a lifter, uh, you know, all of these things. And I can 
I can enjoy my life and let you enjoy yours and we can kind of coexist and brush up against one another in the yoga studio or wherever. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just, it's, it's a hard place to live right now, this world. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. And it was actually, um, have you ever watched a social dilemma? before on Netflix. No, I've told you though, just this past weekend, someone, someone said I'd probably really like it. Yeah. Yeah. So I resisted to watch that for a long time. Um, I think because at the time when it first came out, um, I was paying a business coach an obscene amount of money to be taught how to properly market an online coaching program. So I was implementing Facebook ads. I relied on social media from that perspective in order to help like spread the word of like what I was doing. Obviously stop doing that now because I just, I kind of woke up to the how I was trying to attract people in to work with me was, didn't align with like my ethics of like what I believe in. So um, fortunately I woke up to that. (laughs) What's your strategy now? What's that? What's your strategy now? Um, not Facebook ads. I actually, I actually tried to do them um, a couple weeks ago. I relaunched them again, but um, the cost per uh, lead. Um, so my lead, I have set to um, someone getting someone's email address um, had become so high that it just wasn't worth it anymore. And like I've relaunched it a couple times this year, and I just realized that. It, it was just so expensive to do. And it wasn't, I don't know. I feel like the behavior of um, people on social media has changed a fair bit too. Um, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of all of it or like the why is the why that's happened, but I do find that, um, yeah, what's put in, we're more conscious of what's put in front of us. And I think we're tired of constantly like getting the free lead magnet and watching the free webinar. Cause it's like, we all know what's going to come at the end of it. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think because of that, I've kind of stopped too. Cause to me as a consumer, I don't really, I mean, yes, I, I do think having strategic ads put in front of me is great because then I discover certain things or products that I would have never known about if they hadn't have been advertised to me, but um, yeah, for the most part, it was just that I didn't feel, um, I guess, aligned with the, with how I was putting that stuff out. So now it's like, it's organic marketing completely at the moment until I try to figure out how to rework that. Yeah. Yeah. At the moment. Um, yeah. Playing around with different platforms though, for sure. Um, but the social dilemma thing, I hadn't watched it because I was resistant to it because it was going to go against all the stuff that I was supposed to be on board for. Um, And so it was only last week that I watched it and it was talking about how um, the algorithm has made it that it, the whole point of social media is that they want you to stay on the app for longer. Mm -hmm. So the algorithm has shifted in the sense that it's doing things to put things in your, that you want to see, that it thinks you want to see in front of you so that you'll stay on longer. But what that inevitably ends up doing is that it influences our thought patterns and belief systems to think that this is how, this is how it is versus someone else. Yeah. And their, their algorithm is showing them, well, this is how it is. So it's created a huge divide in like in the world really but the one example that they were giving was with the democrats and the republicans and the 
extremes of the divides that now exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't claim to be an expert in any of this stuff. I'm just relaying the information of like what I what I had watched on this documentary. But I found it so fascinating because I also identify with uh, behaving that way. So I've noticed that about myself that if someone says something on social media, just as an example, that I don't agree with um, or that I don't necessarily like because it, it goes against my opinion on the matter, I, I was getting into an almost dangerous uh, like vortex of deleting these people, like removing them from my Instagram because I didn't want to see it. They didn't align with what I thought. Therefore, I didn't want to see it. Um, and I realized that I was part of the problem. Like, you know, this I actually extreme. purposely follow some like extremist kind of people in the mm. other direction, just to kind of keep my hand on the pulse of like both sides. Yeah. Like, because I, I also tend towards being very argumentative and having like a strong opinions. Um, and I think the current, political world has helped to shift that for me a little bit just because I'm starting to recognize situations like what you just described is it's quite literally people are being fed what they want to hear um and then you know there are sides to every story right Mm -hmm. there there are like nothing right now currently nothing is black and white right like if you really delve into it it's it's um it's hard to 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 even make a stance, um, is, is how I feel about it. Like I obviously have, we obviously do have to make personal choices, Mm -hmm. um, in this current, you know, world and environment of what's going on. But, uh, yeah, I, I try to stand back. I try not to engage all that much. And, and I try to try to say kind of like you just said, like, I, I, don't have all the facts. Um, Mm. so, you know, I'm, I'm, my ears are open and listening is, is where I'm trying to sit with it. And this is all very new to me. Like, I feel like I personally internally during this entire pandemic have, I wouldn't say I've done it 180 because that, that would say, you know, I've, I've turned away from a lot of, but I've, I've shifted immeasurably. Like I've grown through this process of like starting my own business and, and then you know, all the stuff that comes along with that. And then also navigating the pandemic at the same time, like this time for the potential for personal growth in this time has been just crazy for me and for other people that I've seen. So, um, yeah, I mean, I see that. I see what you're saying. And I had, I had a few moments as well, similar to that. And I've had a few personal experiences with people that I've, I've really disagreed with and, but I still, really like those people. Mm-hmm. So it's, ha- it's, it's made me have to like, kind of reconsider how I deal with those situations as well. Oh, yeah. A little bit softer, I think. Absolutely. Not a bad thing, right? Not at all. That's yeah. like the whole, like, back to the theme of, of yoga that you were mentioning earlier, like easing into the pain and experience it and learning from it as opposed to shutting it off and being like, nope, that hurts. It's not for me. I'm just going to move that's on. That's exactly what your brain is doing with those other opinions, right? No, that exactly. hurts. That means I'm wrong. Yeah. That hurts. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. So I'm going to put you over here and I'm going to close the door. Yeah. So when he challenges our perspective on life as well, that can be painful. Just as painful as warrior two for five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So just kind of to ease that door open and go, wow, maybe I don't know this. Maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe I'm ready to like take on some new knowledge and allow myself some growth. Yeah. Yeah, completely. That's, um, 
also the whole idea of like, well, the identification of things like I am this, I am that versus I am all things or I am no thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And like, like we could go pretty deep into that whole like philosophical idea of like, who are you really? Yeah. Um, which maybe we'll save for another <laughs> podcast episode. Otherwise we'll be here all day, but yeah, it's definitely, I do see it more and more in like day-to-day life. Um, that experience of like identifying versus not identifying with, with what and whom and like, who am I that big question? And um, yeah, cause we, we are all in this together and it, the more that we can like learn to push through or like our own personal pain, the more that um, we'll be able to, you know, make positive outcomes by po- making positive choices mm. in this world. And yeah. Yeah, I think the more the more you try on, the more you play, the more you get curious, the more you listen. Um, all of those things, the more you, like you just said, realize you know nothing. Yeah, and are nothing, and it's all just a big video game, right? Yeah, it's all just a big video game. It's all just yeah. a big. Play. <laughs> it's all just a, you know you're writing your story, and you can be whatever character you want to be in it, and and that's the beauty of it when you start to let go of these hard defined lines it's like more fun oh yeah I think it's more fun absolutely and I think um even for people just I hope that people who listened to this today are yogis but also aspiring yogis Mm -hmm. to understand that simply identifying with the fact that you're not a yogi is like such a disservice <laughs> to yeah. you. Yeah. Cause like it's, yeah, I've, I have personally found that yoga and especially through learning from you has helped me expand, um, my depth of understanding of myself, um, which I think is like immeasurable with how much a simple practice of being on a mat, um, can actually impact you, how you feel about yourself the quality of your relationships, mm-hmm. how you operate a business, how you live your life. Every aspect of your life. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to add that a thought that popped up that you wanted to share anything? I mean, along those lines, I was just, I, on the weekend, I said I was at a, uh, a boxing match, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I was there as a spectator, but, uh, so one of the people that I teach yoga to, I, I do it um, on a regular basis with him and his staff. He was in the, the fight. So he was in the f- finale, the last fight. And uh, so I was there to help him if he needed any help prior to. So if he needed any stretching or any movement or anything, I was going to you know, lend a hand. But I mean, I was also in a dress and heels because <laughs> I haven't been out in a very long time. So <laughs> that's anyway. where you were going. I remember it. Yeah. You look yeah. great. That so was a lovely he dress. He came up to me midway through and he's like, I, I need a favor. And I'm like, Oh, okay. What's up? He's like, well, one of my friends is supposed to fight tonight. And, uh, he just got tested by the doctor and they have to do a medical before they fight to make sure it's safe that they fight. And his blood pressure was too high. Like, you know, the exhibition park filled with fans and cheering. It was um, 
just to give a little background to the story, it was, they were all taking part in this uh, reality TV show that had started a few months ago. They were amateur fighters. Most of them had only ever hit a bag. They took them through training and then it led up to a finale, like a fight. Wow. So they followed them along for like three months, learned all about them and trained them. So most of them haven't fought in like a real ring before. So it was really nerve wracking for them. So I went back in the room with this guy and I was in the, I was in the one locker room for like 20 guys. So people were walking in and out. I was on the floor in a dress on cement in my, <laughs> my knees on cement. I took my shoes off and I did child's pose mantras mudras and manifestation with this guy who's i think he said he might have tried yoga once um who was a fighter and he did it with me for an hour i had his full attention for an hour we did it like a guided meditation um he had his head down the whole time and child's pose because we wanted head below heart try to bring his blood pressure down and and it worked he got to fight he got cleared um he was so sweet and grateful. He's like, that was the best night of my life. And I couldn't have gotten there without you. It's like, you did the work. Like you just did yoga for an hour and like, look at how it, you know, shifted you. And you're this, you know, fighter who just went in the <laughs> ring and like, you know, hit a guy in the face a whole bunch, but like <laughs> it, it worked. And, and he was able to try that hat on right for the hour that he needed to and I'm sure he's going to come back to it at some point in time he now sees the value of it in his life um that's that's kind of cool right like how impactful that was just like that because in a moment where he had to he decided to right I'm gonna I'm gonna do this right now because I have no other choice and it worked and he probably wouldn't have turned to it unless he had to but that resiliency will carry forward a hundred percent so he'll have those tools now to turn into like the simplicity of bringing your index finger and your thumb together and then bringing your awareness to that point only, right? Mm-hmm. To bring yourself that deep in your experience in your body and to kind of put up blinders around what else was going on, you know, at that time for him to be able to bring his blood pressure down that much and get tested and get cleared. It was just super cool. I just think that's like so powerful. I do think that's powerful too. And that's like the perfect story to end our conversation. Cause it's like, of course, like the, the ring is like such a powerful metaphor for life too. But um, yeah, no, it's so true. Like it's like every day is kind of a boxing match when you think about it. And it's like you making the decisions when you're backed into a corner of how you're going to, how you're going to choose to handle it. And it's that quote of being in the ring. If you're in the ring, you know, like you're, you're doing it. Don't yeah. worry about it what the spectators are saying, you know, focus on you in the ring and what you're doing and what you're bringing to it every day. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast episode. I'm sorry. I kind of mucked up (laughs) the ending of it, learning how to do, learning how to record podcast episodes here, but irregardless of that, I hope that you guys learned some really insightful information from hearing stuff, hearing her journey, having us kind of chat about some life lessons stuff that we've learned over the years. And uh, yeah, thank you for being here with us and uh, we'll see you the next episode.